All right, well, we're there in uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 9, and we've been studying through the book of 2 Samuel on Wednesday night, just been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we actually went through all of 1 Samuel, now we're in 2 Samuel, and we find ourselves here in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we find ourselves with a character entitled uh, or called Mephibosheth, and in this story here in, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we're going to go back and look at one verse in chapter 4 of this, of this, cha- of this book. Uh, we find the life of Mephibosheth, and we find the story of Mephibosheth, and, father, and, and we learn a lot about uh, our relationship between ourselves and God uh, as we study this uh, relationship here of Mephibosheth and David. And there's actually 10 correlations to the Christian life that I kind of saw in this passage. I want to give them to you quickly tonight, and um, I, won't, I won't, there's 10, 10 points, so I won't take super long on every point, but we're going to look at a lot of passages, so I kind of want you to be ready, and I'll try to help you to get to the uh, books as quickly as we can. But uh, if you're, you're there in 2 Samuel chapter number 9, and I'd like you to go to chapter 4. Brother Ryan, if you don't mind, would you mind just stepping in the, the daddy room? I appreciate that, brother. I'm sorry. It's just there's other people wanting to listen also. No, no problem, brother. I appreciate that. 2 Samuel chapter 4, and look at verse number 4. 2 Samuel chapter number 4 and verse 4. The story of Mephibosheth begins in chapter 4. And in verse 4 is when we first introduced to Mephibosheth. And when we get to verse 4, uh, we, to chapter 4, we skipped it last when we were there because I knew that we'd be dealing it with here. And I want you to notice what the Bible says. 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, And Jonathan saw a son had a son that was lame. Now, you see that word lame there, meaning he was crippled, unable to walk of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse, his nurse was the woman that was taking care of him, took him up and fled. Now, the reason that she fled is because if you remember, Jonathan and Saul had died in battle. And it was common practice that whenever the king died, uh, whoever was coming to take over would basically come in and kill everyone that was related to the king. Uh, because obviously when you have a new dynasty starting, a new king starting, uh, you don't want to have any competition. You don't want to have anyone that would have a claim or a right to the throne. So when the news comes that Jonathan is dead and that Saul is dead, uh, this nurse, and she's very well-intentioned, she's not trying to do anything wrong, she the Bible tells us, took him up and fled, and it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell. Notice what it says, that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. We see that Mephibosheth was crippled at a very young age here, and it was because of a fall, and it wasn't his fault. His nurse, and I don't know that it was her fault. She was just uh, in a hurry. She thought, you know, this child's going to die. That's normally uh, what was done customarily, and uh, she, as she's in haste, and as she's hurrying, as she's trying to get out, she, she drops him, and he is crippled as a result. Now, keep your place there in 2 Samuel, and go with me to the book of Romans real quickly. In the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and the book of Romans. Now, when you get to Romans, I want you to put your place there, uh, keep your place there, or a bulletin, or a bookmark, or something there, because we're going to leave Romans, and we're going to come back to it. Romans chapter number 5, and here's the first point I'd like to make. I'm going to give you 10 points as quickly as I can tonight, and I'd encourage you to write these down if you're able to. If you don't have a child sitting on your lap, if you're not taking care of a child in one of the rooms, uh, write these notes down. Number one, Mephibosheth was crippled by a fall. 
you and I are spiritually crippled by Adam's fall. Are you there in Romans chapter 5? Look at verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. Wherefore, as by one man, this is Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon, notice, all men, for that all have sinned. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Now notice what the Bible says. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many, and not as it was, notice, notice what it says, by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, uh, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the right, the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Here's the point that's being made. And, and, and I'm not making this point tonight from Romans 5. They're comparing Adam to Christ and the fact that Adam made many to die and Christ is able to make many to, to be brought alive. But here's the point that I want to make. Because of Adam's fall, and often the first sin is called the fall of man. Because of Adam's fall, he basically uh, brought death. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. You and I are crippled spiritually because of Adam's fall. And like Mephibosheth, you and I might say, uh, and, and in fact, look, look at verse number 18 there, Romans 5 and verse number 18. Notice what it says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. You and I, like Mephibosheth, might say, well, it wasn't my fault. It, it, it was the nurse's fault. It was Eve's fault. It was Adam's fault. But that doesn't change the fact that you and I are hindered and we are crippled. And we are. And, and it's, it's interesting because these types of uh, accidents in the Bible often picture uh, salvation and sin. Jesus came on this earth and many of his miracles were healing the blind or healing the lame or, uh, or, or helping people with different uh, physical ailments and those all serve as a picture of salvation. And here we see Melphibosheth who was crippled by a fall. And I want you to notice the first correlation we find uh, to us is that you and I are spiritually crippled. Adam dropped us. Eve dropped us. We fell when they fell, and we were crippled, and we were hindered, and we were born uh, in this state. Go back to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Let me give you the second point. Look at verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 9, look at verse 1. Now, in, verse, in chapter 4, we saw that Mephibosheth was crippled by a fall. In chapter 9, in verse 1, we see this. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul? that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now, this was not customary. This was not how a new king would treat the family of the prior king. But here we see David. I want you to notice what he says. He says, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul? He says, is there anybody alive from the house of Saul, from the descendancy of Saul, that came from the bowels of Saul, that I may show him kindness? And here's what's interesting. Interesting. When David and Mephibosheth established a relationship, David initiated the relationship with Mephibosheth, uh, not Mephibosheth initiating the relationship with David. Do you understand what I just said? It's not Mephibosheth going out and seeking a relationship with the king. It's the king from his throne 
asking and wondering, is there someone from the house of Saul that I can help? In the same way, you and I were saved and were brought into a relationship with God, but it wasn't because you and I initiated that. God initiated the relationship with us in the same way that David initiated the relationship with Mephibosheth. Did you keep your place there in Romans 5? Look at verse 8. Notice what the Bible says. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that. Notice, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, he died for us while we were yet sinners. He came searching for us while we were lost. Often today you have Christians say, oh, you know, and they'll talk about their salvation experience. And they'll say, oh, well, you know, I found Jesus. And I I say this often, you didn't find anyone. Jesus wasn't lost. You and I were lost, that's what the Bible says. He came searching for us, and in the same way that David initiated the relationship with Mephibosheth, God initiated the relationship with you and I. The Bible says this, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 John it says, we love him because he first loved us. And that's why we have a relationship with God. So we see, number one, Mephibosheth was crippled by a fall, and you and I were spiritually crippled by Adam's fall. Number two, we see David initiated the relationship with Mephibosheth in the same way that God initiated a relationship with us. Let me give you the third point. Go back to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Look at verse number two. I'm going to try to give you these quickly because i got ten of them, all right? got to make it through tonight, and we'll move on to the next uh, chapter after the conference. 2 Samuel chapter 9, look at verse 2. And there was of the house of Saul, notice what it says, a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, and Lodabar. Look at verse 5. And, uh, well, verse 5, then King David, I want you to notice this word, sent. You see that word sent there? Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. The first thing, correlation we see is Mephibosheth was crippled by a fall. You and I were crippled by a fall. David was initiated. Uh, uh, the, the relationship was initiated by David, not Mephibosheth. Our relationship with God was initiated by God, not us. But the third thing I'd want you to notice is here. David sent a servant in search of Mephibosheth, and God has ordained, and God has sent soul winners in search for sinners. Go to Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19. In the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's interesting, you know, why doesn't David just go down and find uh, Mephibosheth himself? But yet David says, no, I will find a servant. I will ask a servant whose name was Ziba, and he asked him, where is he? And, and King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, is what the Bible tells us. Luke chapter 19, look at verse number 10. Luke 19 and verse 10, notice what Jesus said. He said, for the Son of Man is come, notice what he says, to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, here's what's interesting, all right? Uh, You're there in Luke. Turn one book over to John chapter 20. If if you want to know what, just have one mission statement for the ministry of Christ. What was the purpose for Christ coming to this earth? It's all found in that one phrase, to seek and to save. He came to seek and to save. He came to search 
and to find and to save that which was lost. But here's what's interesting. John chapter 20 and verse 21, the Bible says this. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. This is after the resurrection of Christ. Notice what he says. Peace be unto you. Now notice what he says. As my Father has sent me. All right? What was Jesus sent to do? To seek and to save that which was lost. Then he says this. As my Father has sent me, even so, or in the same way, send I you. Jesus said, look, you are Zeba. You are the servant. There are out there Mephibosheths that are crippled by the fall of Adam, that are spiritually become lame, that are living in sin, and they need a relationship. They need to be brought to the king. And he says, you are the, key. You are the messenger to go search and to seek and to save. I'd like to ask you tonight, are you a Zeba? I mean, are you, are you someone that the king can look at and say, hey, can you go find, can you go search for, can you go get and fetch this sinner that I'd like to be a blessing to? David sent a servant to search for Mephibosheth. The same way God has sent soul winners to search for sinners. Number four, go back to 2 Samuel chapter 9, look at verse 6. 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 6. We see Mephibosheth was crippled by a fall. We see David initiated the relationship. We see that David sent a servant to search for Mephibosheth. Number four, look at verse six, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence, and David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, notice what he says, Fear not. Now why does he say that? Okay, put your place in Mephibosheth's shoes. Every time a new king comes into power, that king kills all the children, all the descendants of the prior king. Mephibosheth has been living in hiding for many years now. Nobody knows where he's at. I mean, he, he's trying to just be under the radar, and one day someone knocks on his door, and they don't say, Hi, we're coming from David's Baptist Church, and we're here to you know, uh, give you an invitation to church. No, they knock on the door, and they say, Are you Mephibosheth? He says, I am. They said, David wants to see you. And he's probably thinking to himself, Oh, no. They, they finally found me. David's going to kill me now. But notice when David, notice verse 7, David said unto him, Fear not. He said, Don't be afraid, for I will, show, uh, I will surely show thee kindness. Now notice what he says. For Jonathan thy fathers. And I want you to notice this, this, this word, sake. Do you see that word sake? It says, For Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Now go back to verse 1 of the same chapter. Notice how the chapter begins in verse number 1. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness? Notice what it says. For Jonathan's... Can you say that next word with me? Let's just say it together. Sake. For whose sake? Jonathan's sake. For Jonathan's sake. Now, uh, did you keep your place in Romans? Remember, you're supposed to have your place in Romans. Go, go to Romans, but we're going to leave Romans. Go to uh, Ephesians. If you're in Romans, you're going to go past First and Second Corinthians into the book of Galatians and Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, and look at verse number 32. See, Mephibosheth was forgiven for Jonathan's sake. It wasn't that Mephibosheth had done anything that had earned 
the right to be forgiven or that had earned the right for him to be uh, uh, allowed to live. Whatever was done, whatever goodness came from David to Mephibosheth was done not for Mephibosheth's sake, but for Jonathan's sake. Because if you remember, Jonathan and David were good friends. And in fact, Jonathan and David had made a covenant. They had said that they would protect each other's family, that they would love each other's family, that they would not do wrong to each other's family. And now David is, is, is acting upon that covenant. And anything that he does from a people shed, he does it for Jonathan's sake. Are there in Ephesians 4? Look at verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another. Why should we be tenderhearted towards each other? Why should we be forgiving one to another? Here's why. Even as, or in the same way, even as God... Let's read the next three words together. For Christ's sake. Do you see that? Even as God... Let's read it again. For Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know the only reason that you get to go to heaven is not because of anything you've done. It's, because, it's for Christ's sake. You know, the only reason that you and I get to enter into a relationship with God is not because, I, well, look at me, I'm Mephibosheth, I'm so amazing, I'm so great. No, no, Mephibosheth, you get to come into a relationship with King David, not for anything you've done, but for Jonathan's sake. And in the same way, you and I get to come into the presence of God and into the family of God and into a relationship with God, not because of anything you and I have done, but it's for Christ's sake. It's, it's because of somebody else's sake. It's because of somebody else's covenant. It's because of somebody else, the work and the effort that they put. And David was impressed with Jonathan, and he said, Mephibosheth, I'm going to accept you for Jonathan's sake. And in the same way, you and I are forgiven by God. God doesn't forgive you because of who you are. God forgives you. God forgives me for Christ's sake. So Mephibosheth was forgiven for Jonathan's sake, and you and I. We're forgiven for Christ's sake. Let me give you the fifth correlation. Go back to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Look at verse 8. So what, what we've seen, Mephibosheth was crippled by a fall. You and I were spiritually crippled by Adam's fall. We saw David initiated the relationship with Mephibosheth in the same way that God initiated the relationship with uh, you and I. We see that David sent a servant in search of Mephibosheth, and God has ordained soul winners to, to go out and search for sinners. We see number four, Mephibosheth was forgiven for Jonathan's sake, in the same way that you and I are forgiven. For Christ's sake. Let me give you the fifth point. Look at 2 Samuel 9. Look at verse number 8. 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 8. Notice what the Bible says. And he bowed himself and said, This is Mephibosheth. What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such... Notice what he says. Upon such a dead dog as I am. Now i got to tread lightly here because in America... You know, dogs are man's best friend, right? And everybody loves a dog, and everybody has a dog. I have a dog, all right? And uh, I, don't, I don't hate dogs. But in the Bible, if you ever study, just do a study of the word dog in the Bible, a dog is probably the worst thing mentioned in Scripture. I mean, every time the word dog comes up, it's in a negative connotation. And in fact, the word dog is used as a, in the New Testament as a synonym for reprobates. These sodomites that are protesting out there, God calls them dogs. That's how he, he sees it. I, I'm, I'm not trying to face you. I love my dog. Look, I'm not against you, all right? I'm just saying God, God doesn't seem to like dogs. I don't know why. He just doesn't. Maybe he's a cat guy. I don't know. But uh, he, 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 in fact, there's only, the, only, the, only positive, the only positive mention and it's not even that positive of a dog in the Bible is in Ecclesiastes where it says that it's better to have a dead dog, a live dog than a dead lion. You know, that's the only time that it, even something positive is 
kind of sad about a dog. So here's what's interesting. In the Bible, I mean, the worst thing you could do is call someone a dog. And I want you to notice what Mephibosheth does. Look at verse 8. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant? The thou shouldest look upon such, notice what he calls himself, upon such, he doesn't call himself a dog, he says, upon such a dead dog as I am. Now, now here's the thing, look, you say, well, I, I love dogs. That's good, I'm glad you do. But think about your most favorite, I mean, that dog you had growing up, your most, you know, Fido or whatever, Fufu, you know, your most favorite love. This was the family dog. This was part of the family. I mean, when this dog died, you cried. You held a funeral. Okay, here's the thing. Even your most favorite love dog, how long are you going to keep that dog after it's dead? I mean, God doesn't seem to think very highly of dogs in general. But there's definitely not a use. I mean, think about a dead dog. Think about a dead dog in your backyard. How long are you going to keep that thing back there? There is no value to a dead dog. I mean, a good, we have a nice dog. We have a, a half a lab, half German shepherd. He's, uh, he's big and he's uh, uh, mean looking and he has a nice uh, uh, do, uh, deep bark and he's in our backyard and he protects our family and I, we, we like our, our dog. I, here's what I like about our dog. He has the, the ears of a German shepherd so he kind of looks, has that German shepherd look, but he's got the fur of a lap, so it's short hair. So uh, I think it's the best of both worlds. And look, I, I, he does a great job. He secures the backyard. He, he makes sure, you know, all these sodomites uh, stay away from our house, you know. He does, a great, he, he does a great job, but here's the thing. If he dies, he's of no use. He's of no value. And Mephibosheth gets on the knees before David, and he says, he, say, he says, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? And here's what Mephibosheth was saying, and, and please understand, and I'm not trying to be rude, but you got to understand the, 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 the society in which he lived. He lived in an agricultural society. He lived in a society where you, I mean, it wasn't America. You, you get up and you work every day. You go and, and, and work the field, and you have to go and, and, and make something happen. And even the welfare system that God had instituted, for the nation of Israel required them to get up and go out into the field and pick up that which was left over. I mean, everybody got up and worked. And if you were crippled in those days, you were really in need. I mean, there, there was no ADA. There was no, and I'm God for it. I think we should have, I think we should have special ramps and special parking, special things for people that, that have those disabilities. But in these days, I mean, you, he, Mephibosheth couldn't go out to war, couldn't go out to battle, couldn't go out to farm. Everything that happened, everything that came to him was from the generosity of somebody else. And, and here Mephibosheth says, David, why are you being kind to me? David, why are you showing kindness to me? Why are you being, uh, uh, bringing me here and speaking in this way? Because here's what Mephibosheth was saying. There's nothing that I can do for you, David. There's no value in this relationship for you. You can do everything for me. I can do nothing for you. I can't do anything. I can't provide anything. I can't bring anything. And he said, why have you done this, David? And why lookest thou upon such a dead dog as I am? And you know what? Mephibosheth could do nothing to earn David's love in the same way that you and I can do nothing to earn God's love. See, today you got all these Christians running around saying, well, you know, I think salvation is by faith or grace, but I've got to do my part. I mean, I got to quit drinking, and I got to quit smoking, and I got to quit fornicating, and I, I got to do this, and I got to do that. Listen to me. You are a dead dog compared to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
There is no value. There is nothing that you bring to the table. There is nothing when I got to I said, well, God, you, you, I mean, you're getting a pretty good deal here, don't you know? I mean, I, I, I can do this and I can do that. No, no, no. Before God, the Bible says this. Isaiah 64, 6, you have to turn there. But the Bible says this. We, but we are as unclean things, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I mean, God says the, the best righteous thing you can think of the best. I mean, I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I quit fornicating. I, I got off a of drug. The, the, biggest, the, the best thing you can think of, God says, it's like a filthy rag. He says, you're a dead dog. He says, there's nothing of value that you bring to the table. You say, well, why would God want to have a relationship with, with us? Well, see, David wasn't looking for Mephibosheth to earn his relationship. He was entitled to it because of his relationship with Jonathan. See, I don't know if you noticed, but in this, in this story, you and I, the sinners represented by Mephibosheth, David is represented by God, represents God. Zeba represents the soul winners. You understand that? See, there's nothing you and I bring to the table. There's not enough communions you can take. There's not enough catechisms you can do. There's not enough confessional booths you can go to. You can't get dunked enough times. You can't repent enough times. There is nothing of value that you and I bring to the table when we come to God. We must come to God realizing, I'm like a dead dog. There's no value to me. There's nothing that I can bring of value to this relationship. Mephibosheth could do nothing to earn David's love. There was nothing in Mephibosheth that David needed. And there was everything in David that Mephibosheth needed. In the same way that I don't need, God doesn't need me, I need God. And I don't bring anything of value to God. And anything that I do for God, it's by his grace. So I think it's funny how we get all lifted up with pride. Well, see how many people I got saved. See how many, look, you didn't get, you, anything you do is because God allows you to. Anything you do is because of the grace of God has allowed it into your life. So we see Mephibosheth could do nothing to earn David's love. Same way you and I can't do anything to earn God's love. Look, look at verse 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Let me give you the six point. We got 10 points. We got to move quickly. 2 Samuel chapter 9, look at verse 9. Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy son and thy servant shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits of thy master's son, my son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Look at verse 11. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servants, so shall thy servants do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table. Notice, notice what it says, as one of the king's sons. Do you see that? So what, what do we learn in this story so far? Go, go to the book of Galatians. We were just in Ephesians. Right after Ephesians, you got Philippians and the book of Galatians in the New Testament. Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians. Here's what we've learned so far. Number one, Mephibosheth was crippled by a fall in the same way that you and I were crippled by Adam's fall. Number two, David initiated the relationship with Mephibosheth in the same way that God initiated his relationship with us. Number three, David sent a servant to search for Mephibosheth in the same way that God sent salt winners out in search for us, number four, Mephibosheth was forgiven for Jonathan's sake, and you and I were forgiven for Christ's sake. Number five, Mephibosheth could do nothing to earn David's love in the same way that you and I can do nothing to earn God's love. Number six, Mephibosheth received a father-son relationship with David in the same way that you and I get to receive a father-son relationship with God. Are right there in Galatians 4, look at verse 4. 
Now, do me a favor. When you get to Galatians 4, put, put, put something there. We're going to leave it. We're going to come right back to it, okay? Notice there's four. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. Remember, he sent, God sent his servant. The first one he sent was his son, Jesus, to seek and to save that which was lost. Then later, Jesus would say to us, even so send I you. Now notice, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive, notice, the adoption of, son, of sons. And because ye are sons, God has set forth his spirit of his son in your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You and I get to cry to God, Abba, Father. The reason we get to pray our father and get to call God father is because he sent his son to redeem us from the law. Notice verse 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant. See uh, uh, Mephibosheth was a servant. Mephibosheth was in servitude to the king but after uh, Ziba brings him to David he's no more a servant. Notice verse 7 Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son then an heir of God through Christ. See you and I one day were servants to sin but when Ziba came and when we met the king, now we are his sons. Mephibosheth was a servant, and now he's a son. The Bible tells us there, David said, as one of the king's sons, in the same way that you and I get to become one of God's sons when we get saved. Keep your finger there in Galatians, all right? We're going we're to leave it. We're going to come right back to it. Let me give you the seventh point. Go, go back to 2 Samuel 9. Look at verse 6 again. Notice verse 6, 2 Samuel 9 and verse 6. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. Now, notice the attitude of Mephibosheth. He's not casual. He realizes who he is before David, and you and I need to realize who we are before God. We, we, we tread too casually. We act too casual with God. He's a holy God. We should fall on our faces before him and give him reverence. Amen. And David said, now notice, I want, don't miss this. And David said, so get the picture. You Mephibosheth, uh, who's asking? David wants to see you. Why? Just come with me. Now wouldn't that work for soul winning? Just come with me. <laughs> and uh, they, they show up to the king's house. He falls on his face. He's reverent. He's afraid. David says, fear not. And then notice, notice, notice verse uh, uh, 6 again. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, notice, David said, think about this. He fell on his face. That means his face is to the ground. He fell on his face and did reverence. He's bowed down before David, looking at the ground, just hoping that uh, he'll find some grace or some uh, mercy from David. And here's what he hears when David opens his mouth. Notice, and David said, here's what he hears, Mephibosheth. David called him by name. And he answered, behold, thy servant. Say, what's the big deal there? Go to Galatians 4, look at verse 8. Galatians 4, verse 8. See, here's what you need to understand, and I hope this doesn't confuse you. I'll try to do my best to explain it. Mephibosheth deserved to die. That's what was customary at that time. Mephibosheth was saved from the coming judgment, not because Mephibosheth knew David, but because David knew Mephibosheth. It wasn't that Mephibosheth walks in and says, David, David, good to see you. Remember when you and John, no, 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 Mephibosheth, he's never seen David. He's never talked to David. But David knows Mephibosheth. David knows Jonathan. Mephibosheth is lying on, on his face to the ground. And David says, Mephibosheth. 
See, David rescued Mephibosheth because Mephibosheth was known of David, not vice versa. You say, well, what does that have to do? Here's the point that you need to understand. We are saved because God knows us, not because we know God. You say, what are you talking about? You're there in Galatians 4, look at verse 8. How be it then when ye knew not God? See, you didn't know God. You weren't searching for God. Don't say, oh, I was looking for God. No, you won't. We were all a sheep. We're gone astray. No, no one was searching for God. But now, after that, ye have known. Uh, no, notice verse, four, uh, verse 8. How be it then when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them by uh, nature are no. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading that. Unto them which by nature are no God. Remember, we were servants and now we're sons. Look at verse 9. But now. But now, after that, ye have, uh, have known God. Now, here's what's interesting, all right? Not, the King James Bible is God's inspired, preserved word. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But it's interesting because I feel like God, ins- he inspired this phrase on purpose to highlight something. Notice what he says. But now, this is, what, this is Paul writing. And keep in mind, he's writing a letter. So he, he, he could have just, you know, whited it out and started over if he'd messed up. But that's not what he did. Notice what he said. But now, after that, ye have known God. And then it almost seems like he stops for a second and he thinks about it. And he says, let, let me rephrase that. He says, after that, ye have known God. And then he says this, or rather are known of God. He said, it's not that you know God. He said, I'm glad you know God, and I understand you know God. But he said, you were a servant, and now you're a son. Not because you know God. He said, rather, it's because you're known of God. Say, I don't understand. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 22. It should be fairly easy to find. First book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 7. See, what gets you into heaven is not that you know God. It's that God knows you. Matthew 7, verse 22, notice what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, it goes back to this identity. There's nothing in my identity worth God knowing me. I'm, if I'm known of God, it's through his son, Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, look at verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done, don't miss this, many wonderful works. You know religious people are going to go to hell? You said, well, they did many wonderful works. Yeah, but their righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Look at verse 23. And then will I profess unto them. These are people who said, we prophesied in thy name. These are people that said, we have cast out devils. These are people that said, we have done many wonderful works. And then notice what Jesus says. Matthew 7, 23. You got a red letter Bible. These words are in red because Jesus spoke this. Notice what he said. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Not that I used to know you. He said, I never knew you. But we know you, but I don't know you. But we did wonderful works, but I never knew you. See, see, David has to call your name, Mephibosheth, if you're going to escape judgment. David, it's not that you know David. Everyone knows David, but does David know you? And if you're going to get to heaven, it's not, well, I'm religious. Well, I go to church. Well, I read the Bible. I mean, I know God. Okay, but does God know you? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Don't miss this. Ye that work iniquity. Wait, I thought their works were wonderful works. Yeah, but they're still iniquity, if that's what you're trusting in to get you to heaven. He says, I never knew you. See, Mephibosheth was saved because David knew Mephibosheth, not because Mephibosheth knew David. In the same way, you and I are saved because God knows us, not because we know God. We enter into a relationship with God. The only value that Mephibosheth had was his relationship to Jonathan. The only value that you and I have is our relationship to Christ. There's nothing valuable about you or me. We're dead dogs. Look at verse, 2 Samuel chapter 9, look at verse 7. Let me give you the eighth point. 
2 Samuel chapter 9, look at verse 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread. Can we read the next three words together? I just want you to notice this. He says, At my table continually. All right, you read the fourth one. You, you, you went the extra mile. Good job. Now, but, but I want you to notice this phrase. At my table. You see that? David says to Mephibosheth, because he gives them all the land, the servants, he said, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna take care of all the food, they're going to feed your family. But he says, you, Mephibosheth, you are going to eat at, now here's the words I want you to notice, my table. You see that? End of verse 7? Okay, look at verse 10. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him. This is David speaking to Ziba. And thou shalt bring in the fruits that my servant's sons may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at, let's read those words together, my table. Do you see that? Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Look at verse 11. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servants do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at, let's read the next two words together, my table as one of the king's sons. Say, what does that have to do with anything? Go to Luke 22. Look at verse 29. We'll do it quickly. We're almost done. We're on, on, on point number eight. We only got ten. It's 8.01. We'll be done in less than 15 minutes. Luke 22. Pastor, if you move quickly, Luke 22. Look at verse 29. Luke 22, verse 29. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 22. When you get to Luke, keep your place there because we're going to come back uh, close to there. Luke 22. Look at verse 29. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Notice what he says. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at, let's read the next two words together, my table in my kingdom. You know what? You and I get to go to heaven one day, and we're going to get to sit at the table of Jesus Christ and sit and eat in the same way that Mephibosheth got to eat at the table of David. Said, did Mephibosheth deserve it? No. Did Mephibosheth earn it? No. Why was Mephibosheth there? Because of Jonathan's sake. And you and I will get to get to the kingdom of God. We'll get to the kingdom of heaven. And we will sit down and we will fellowship and we will eat with God, almighty God. You say because of anything that we've ever done? No, we are a bunch of dead dogs because of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Christ's sake, we get to sit at the table. See, Mephibosheth sat at David's table. And guess what? You and I one day get to sit at Christ's table. And fellowship with God. And fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And not because of anything that we've ever done. Not because of any value that we brought to the relationship. Simply because God one day decided to say, is there a Mephibosheth out there that I can show kindness to? Let me give you the ninth point. Keep your place there in Luke. We're going to come back that way. Go back to 2 Samuel 9, look at verse 7. 2 Samuel 9, look at verse 7. 2 Samuel 9, look at verse 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness... For Jonathan, my father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table. Notice this word, continually. Do you see that word continually? Look at verse 10. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall tell the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruit of thy master's son, uh, that my master's son may uh, have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread. Notice this word, all way at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Look at verse 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat, notice this word, continually at the king's table and was lame on both his 
feet. Did you keep your place and look? Go, go to John, John chapter 10. I know you know these verses. Let's just look at them together. John chapter 10. Mephibosheth not only gets to... Here's the thing. It's not that Mephibosheth got invited to come have dinner with the governor or with the president. You know, you may get invited. I mean, I will never get invited, but you may get invited to go uh, have, unless something drastically happens in America, you know, revival really needs to break out. You may get invited to go have dinner with the president, with the governor, with the mayor. I mean, even the mayor is not going to invite me. But here's the thing. You get to come for dinner, and then you have to pack up and go. You don't get to go to the king's table. You don't get to go to the president's table, have dinner, and say, you know, thank you very much for the meal. And then you take your shoes off and put your feet on the, on the table and, and said, what are we doing now? I mean, you come over for dinner, and then you go home. Mephibosheth comes over for dinner, and David says, you're going to stay here forever. You'll be here continually. You will be here always. See, Mephibosheth sat at David's table, and he had a relationship with David, but it was a continual relationship. Guess what? You and I enter into a continual relationship with God. And then in John 10, look at verse 28. John 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life. What's eternal life? Always, continual, forever, and they shall never perish. That's what I understand. These people say, oh, no, you're going to lose your salvation. Then are you calling Jesus a liar? He said they shall never perish. You know what that means? If they ever perish, then he lied. He says, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no, no, notice, no man, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Here's what people will say to me when they say, well, I don't believe in eternal security. And, and, and a bunch of people, here's what they'll say. They'll say, well, you know, you can't lose your salvation, but you can walk away from God. And I've had Pentecostals use this illustration. They'll say, it's like you're holding hands with God and you're walking down the road. He'll never let go, but you can let go. Here's the problem with that. If he never lets go, you're not going. I mean, he says, no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. He says, I'm stronger and mightier than you are. He said, you can't, once I, he says, once I get a grip on you, you're not getting rid of me. He said, you are here continually. It's always, and people say, well, you can walk away from it. Are you saying that you are mightier than God? That you're stronger than God? He says, my father which gave him me is greater than all. He said, my dad is bigger than your dad. He said, my dad is tougher than your dad. He said, my father which gave him me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Mephibosheth had a continual relationship with David. We have a continual relationship with God. Let me give you the last point. 2 Samuel 9, look at verse 12. 2 Samuel 9, verse 12. What have we said tonight? Number one, Mephibosheth was crippled by a fall. We were spiritually crippled by a fall. David initiated the relationship with Mephibosheth the same way that God initiated his relationship with us. David sent a servant to search for Mephibosheth the same way that God sends servants, soul winners, out for us. Mephibosheth was forgiven for Jonathan's sake. You and I get forgiven for Christ's sake. Mephibosheth could do nothing to earn David's love the same way you and I can do nothing to earn God's love. Mephibosheth received a father-son relationship same way you and I get to receive a father-son relationship. Mephibosheth was saved because David knew him. Same reason you and I get saved because God knows us. Mephibosheth sat at David's table. One day you and I get to sit at Christ's table. Mephibosheth had a continual relationship with God, with David. You and I get a continual relationship with God. Let me give you the last point. Look at verse 12. 2 Samuel 9, look at verse 12. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table. And here's what's interesting. You get, you get this whole story about Mephibosheth, and you learn about this kid that was crippled and brought to the king and brought in. You get all the, it got all these blessings, got all these great things. And then here's how the chapter ends. It ends with this phrase, 
and was lame on both his feet. So what, what's the point of that? Here's, here's the point. Even though David had a relationship with Mephibosheth, even though Mephibosheth was now a son of David and was entitled to uh, all, all the blessings and all the, the different things that come with that relationship, and he got to eat at the king's table, and he got all, all, all of that. Here's the thing. He was still lame on both his feet. He was still hindered by the fall. That ought to be a blessing to you and I. You know why? Because often you will find Christians who say, well, I, I got saved, and I believe in Jesus Christ, and, I, and I, you know, I was forgiven, and I was given eternal life, and I was given the Holy Spirit, and I became a child of God, and I got all those relationships, and I got all those blessings, but I, I still mess up. I, I, I still sin. I, I still have this addiction or that addiction or that habit or that problem. And, you know, sometimes I don't really feel like I'm saved. But listen to me. Just because you've entered into a relationship with God doesn't mean that you're not still hindered by Adam's fall. Paul said this, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And you know what? While Mephibosheth was on this earth, he always was hindered by the fall. And guess what? You and I say, well, I'm saved. Yeah, but we're still going to struggle. We're still got to fight. We still have to walk in the spirit that we might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.